Welcome back, everybody, to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And our beloved Pittsburgh Steelers are now 5-0. and oh, That's right. That's a big donut, kids. 5-0 and oh on the season as they uh, soundly defeated the – I'm not saying rival because there ain't no rivalry. They soundly defeated the Cleveland Browns uh, by 30 points or so uh, this past Sunday. And uh, it was quite a dominant performance, but we'll we'll tell you why maybe it could have been more dominant or 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 things along those lines, and get into a little bit of everything tonight, including the very unfortunate injury to Devin Bush and how the team moves forward uh, from there, and and plus definitely spend some time talking about our opponent this weekend, who also happens to be five and zero in the Tennessee Titans. Uh, joining me as always are Ian and Ben and, uh, gentlemen, as I always do, give me your initial thoughts on the win over Baker Mayfield and the Browns and, uh, Ben, I'll have you go first. Uh, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on this. The score speaks for itself. Um, the Steelers are a lot better than the Browns who suck. Um, Browns fans are idiots. We knew this before. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, the score speaks for itself. I, all the trash talk we throw at Browns fans just gives them validation. It makes them feel like they're actually relevant and they're not, they are not. I used to feel sorry for them. Now I feel very little of, of anything. I'm just like, God, you guys are (laughs) pathetic. Um, and that's really it. I, the only thing I, I, I want to say is I don't think the Steelers are as good as that score would indicate. Okay. I just, I mm-hmm. just think the Browns mm-hmm. are not a good team and um, you know, the Steelers came out and they obviously were hyped and matched the Browns uh, energy level from the very beginning and took the wind out of their sails and then just went, yep, this is like, beating up my little brother i'm just gonna kind of hold him at arm's length while he swings at me and swing 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 away until wait till he gets exhausted and then drop him (laughs) and that was basically the game i mean you know it it was pretty pathetic i'll I'll say one thing about browns fans um there there are some uh and and i know some that they get it you know these are (laughs) <laughs> well, they're, they're, yes, but, but they, they are loyal, and I and I do. I I personally I, I respect the fact that these folks every year they they prepare, they plan for their team to be good, and and they they just they're, they're not. not they're not and but they they don't they're not the type that that have to get on social media and thump their chest and tell you how awesome the Browns are and the Browns are going to kick your ass this week. They, they understand you can't start talking that way until your team actually does it uh, on a much more regular basis in this rivalry and, and lack thereof. And that, so I do appreciate that part, but by and it large, was, it was a rivalry yes, in yes. the nineties. It was the best rivalry in the NFL until, yeah. uh, until Art Modell moved. Art Modell was an asshole yeah. and moved yeah. it to, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I hated it when he moved into Baltimore. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. But 
you know, it is what it is, man. Yeah. Uh, that is. that team moved to Baltimore, and we hate their guts. Yeah, and and uh, that team went on to win a Super Bowl a couple years later. But I yeah, digress. There's that. Uh, yeah, Ian, what uh, what were your initial reactions from the thumping of the Browns? So it was some great vindication as someone who spends a lot of time on Twitter. Uh, I was a little worried going into the game. You know, I said on the podcast last week this was a, a big game for the the sanity of Steelers fans everywhere, and. I said last week that I was a little bit worried that in games like this before that was essentially Cleveland Super Bowl and they've come out with all the intensity in the world and we've treated it like just another game that we've been out-focused in games like that. That was not the case at all. The Steelers were focused. They were more intense than the Browns were and more physical than them. As my dad, who is 70 years old, put it after the game, I'm glad we beat the shit out of that ignorant prick Mayfield. (laughs) Wow, your dad talks like that? (laughs) He worked in a steel mill for 33 years. He's he's the man. Um, Okay, well, that's great. I'm just surprised because you don't. That's all. (laughs) So... It sounds I, like I something I would say. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful, so but that, it, it sounds like something I would say, not something Ian would say. Right, that, right. That sums up the game pretty perfectly. You know, if you would have told me before the game that Ben Roethlisberger was going to only throw for 162 yards, yeah. I would have been worried as heck. But this was... I mean, the defensive touchdown with Minka aside, huge. you know, yeah. huge, obviously. And we'd actually talked about that a couple of weeks before that, you know, Mark, you had asked the question of, are we worried at all about Minka's performance? He's not making big plays, things like that. And I think Ben and I both pointed out that the Steelers were using him a lot more in those kind of robber situations. The quarterbacks were just throwing the ball away from him. And mm-hmm. Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield, the arrogant prick that he is, just threw the <laughs> ball right to him. And to make his credit, I mean, he made a great play on oh, yeah. the route and everything and took it but to the house. Did you but, did you watch that play? I mean, it looked to me like he knew it was coming before. Oh, he, be, yeah. Well before yeah. it was thrown. Like he, he ran over. He was like, okay, it's coming here. And there it is. Boom. Yep. Back to the house. Well, and that's, and that's, a, that's a film study thing, too. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. There was a play last year that Minka made on Cooper Cup against the, the Rams that the Rams only run once before the whole season, like six weeks prior to that game. And Minka, Minka blew it up coming from the far side of the field on a, it was like a shallow crossing route off mm-hmm. a trip mm-hmm. pattern on the third and goal, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Minka's a, a film junkie and he finds those things and, you know, it was, it was only a matter of time before he was going to make a play and it was great yeah. to see. Yeah. But, what I was going getting at was this was almost like an old school Bill Cowher kind of game plan where you threw Very to take the lead in the first half and then you just ran the ball to grind out the clock yeah. and preserve the lead in the second half. And it was it was all around great to see. Um, it was great celebrating on Twitter. Sunday night was <laughs> basically the equivalent of a Harlem Globetrotters game with everyone dunking <laughs> on the Browns. And, uh, you know, Monday was enjoyable. But after after Monday... Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was like, all right, we, we beat them. We served them their medicine on Twitter. Now it's on to the Titans. And and really from Tuesday on, you know, it's it's kind of been all focused on the Titans. And we put the Browns game behind us. We put a bow on it. Um, yep. And, you know, we'll see them again in a few weeks. And, uh, yeah, but we, we, as Ben said, put them in their place. Yeah, absolutely. And um, <laughs> I'm just I'm 
kind of laughing about your father and his comments still. Um, you know, I, Ben Roethlisberger said it, you know, in the postgame, what, what you were just mentioning is that it felt like a Bill Cower offense. Now, I, I don't feel like that's what this team is headed for. I, I wouldn't necessarily mind it if if the defense held everybody to seven points and we ran the ball for over 140, 150 yards. I think it would be great. And but, put up 38 points every game. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but that said, I, I don't think this was any sort of a uh, referendum on Ben or anything like that to say, oh, geez, maybe he can't throw for big yards anymore. He didn't need to throw for big yards. No, he stopped um, throwing, and, and he had yeah. a few drops in the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And On and, top of that. Yeah, and, and, and let's, since we're on that, these RPOs. Um, they have to go. They got to well, go. Now, wait a minute, guys. There was one long RPO that Ben threw where Chase almost scored. He got all the way down to the one-yard line, and it was beautiful. It was perfectly executed, aside from the fact that Jalen Samuels tried to sell the run, so he crossed in front of Ben, and even when he realized he wasn't getting the ball and the overload blitz was to his side, he didn't turn around and try and block anyone. He just kept going and then looked for somebody, come, a rusher coming from the other side where there were mm-hmm. no rushers. Aside from that, the RPO worked absolutely perfectly. And, you know, so it yeah. can work. Um, I just thought early in the game he didn't look very comfortable. That's exactly where I was going. I, I'm not suggesting that you have to 100% can it. But until he gets more comfortable, it, it, it seemed it – may, maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed to me that he was struggling with the coverage – um, the, because the Browns always seem to have three guys on the receiver he went to. Um, so either either he wasn't. They, 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 yeah. were, they were calling overload blitzes a lot, and he had to he had to figure out which side it was coming from. Yeah, and then throw to the other side, basically. Okay, or or, or I guess you can throw to that same side, but if Miles Garrett's coming at you, he's likely well, to bat that down. Yeah. So throwing to the other side is a safer bet. And you got to adjust routes so you get something hot quick. And he, it worked with Claypool, and Claypool mm-hmm. ran for a long way after the catch. I thought he was going to score. In fact, in real time, I was like, he got across. Didn't he, didn't he get across? No, he didn't. Right. Okay, never mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it works. It just doesn't work 100% of the time. That's all. Well, you know, you know? I, I, before I forget, I, I, you mentioned Miles Garrett. Who was it that had the spectacular tweet? about uh mason rudolph essentially doing as much as garrett did was it colin dunlap somebody that somebody it was dunlap did. yeah, yeah. Um, you know garrett had a sack but otherwise he was he was very much he was pretty much invisible yeah. yeah and and don't get me wrong garrett just being on the field is a contribution because you know you're gonna go away from that guy you're not gonna right. run right at him you're not gonna you're not gonna try and and uh ignore him and not have extra coverage to that side when he's mm-hmm. coming that direction unless you're Jalen Samuels apparently you can ignore that then um yeah dude that was bad I I I watched that three or four times in a row watched it slow was like why didn't you turn around when you realized you weren't getting the ball dude they knew you weren't getting the ball why didn't you turn around and try and block someone at least take the db out uh, anyway. You know, he's he's been in the doghouse before. Do you get the feeling he's headed for that again? I get the feeling he's headed out of the league, it, yeah. I, which is a surprise to me because when he was a rookie, he 
he showed so much promise mm-hmm. as like this, mm-hmm. this Swiss Army knife yeah. that was going to be this guy who who did a whole bunch of things pretty well. Nothing spectacularly, but a whole bunch right. of things pretty well. You know, uh, not quite Isaac Redman because uh, no. he was really just a he wasn't a super dynamic running back. But mm-hmm. when you needed a first down, that guy got you the first down. True. Jalen's not even doing that anymore. He's no. doing nothing. No, I, I, and I, I would say he's he's even closer to being out. Had McFarland not goofed up on the one draw play where where Ben had to run for his life. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, but be that as it may, uh, let, let me flip over to the other real glaring thing from from Sunday. Um, Ian, when you saw Devin Bush go down, did you know right away it wasn't good? Uh, not right away. I mean, I anytime, immediately. anytime a guy grabs his knee and it's a non-contact injury, it's bad. But yeah, whenever they showed him, whenever they showed them carrying him to the locker room, that's when I knew it was bad. Yeah. Um, so well, he, he walked to the locker room. They carried no, him off the they, field. They they had two guys. He eventually yeah. they carried him. Thought, didn't he? No, okay. no. They they no. carried him off the field, and he went to he went into the tent, and then he walked off the field on his own power. And I was like, okay, well, that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean he didn't no. tear his ACL or PCL. Yeah. And then yeah, you hear the news he tore his ACL. Which yeah, it was it, the it, only it, it was the bad. only thing that surprised me about it was it it happened on grass. You yeah. don't see guys twist and and tear ACLs on grass very often, and it happened on grass. So it, you know it can happen. You got to oh, wonder if if he yeah. didn't already have maybe a little tear in there to begin with, and it just finished it off. So hard to say, and uh, you know it, it was just uh, I, I I don't know. It, it's you know these things can happen on any single play. Uh, it's the NFL. We we all know that, and um, you, you certainly feel for the kid. And and I I feel good enough. He's young enough. Um, I, I think he'll come back. I mean, obviously, you always oh, worry yeah. about about speed, things like that. But um, I, I mean, I I look at at some other far worse injuries to guys who have recovered from stuff like that. So I I'm hopeful. It's just disappointing with with everything the way it was going. Uh, yeah, and and really, yeah. with the way medical technology has advanced, ACL injuries are not nearly as devastating oh, now as no. they were, you know, twenty, thirty years ago mm-hmm. when they potentially ended guys' careers. Whereas oh, yeah. now, I mean, you've seen you've seen guys bounce back in. I mean, Le'Veon Bell bounced back from multiple ACL injuries. I mean, he shredded his whole knee the one time and was yeah. was back. Yep basically by the preseason. So, um, you know, the, just the, the technology around the surgery has improved dramatically in over the past few years too. Yeah. Um, so Ben, we're, we're, you know, we got a little preview of Robert Spillane. Um, Spillane is a, a guy that was an undrafted free agent and, uh, was with the Titans, ironically enough, didn't, didn't last there. Pittsburgh picked him up, and he, he's been kind of a special teamer, practice squad guy. And, and he came in, and he, he put some lumber on a few guys. Uh, um, Austin Hooper got, got a nice welcome, if you will, from Spillane. But that's he, just – Austin you know, Hooper took some horrendous <laughs> hits. He did. I mean, over and over he and did. over again. Bud got him. Yep. Uh, uh, Spillane got him twice. Um, yep. Who uh, I mean, um, Vince got him? Vince got him the hard. worst. I mean, yeah. whoa! Yeah. I was like, was oh there. my god, that was brutal. 
So what um, what are we looking at, Ben, with with Spillane? Because it, it look, it's we're doing this show on Thursday evening. Uh, they're not going to bring somebody in and expect him to play now. So nah, they're nah, they're going to go with Spillane. Where where do the Steelers go now? As as Ian pointed out to you and I earlier this week, um, the next two opponents for the Steelers mm-hmm. uh, are are run heavy teams that don't run an awful lot of complicated uh, passing games so Mm -hmm. you know basically you you can take uh, you can take a risk with a spillane Mm -hmm. for a couple of games and see how he does okay and and see how you feel about it um from my perspective spillane is an excellent tackler which is why he's been a good special teamer and nope i lost you ben well, it, until we get Ben back here, um, Ian, are you with me still? I am. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he is a very good special teamer. He is a very good tackler. He's a very good form tackler, if you watched what he did to Austin Hooper <laughs> on a couple of occasions. Yes. Um, it, we're, I heard, I was told Monday morning that it looked like he was going to get the the dot uh, which of course indicates he's the guy that that hears from Keith Butler each play, uh, each call. Um, w- what do you think? What are the, what are they going to do? How how are they going to work that? If he gets the dot, then he more or less is going to be out there pretty much every play because yeah, Devin Bush was out there every play. Right. Um, that said, Mike Tomlin in his press conference this week mentioned that this was Devin Bush's first year wearing the dot. So they were still working through some growing pains with that and getting used to him calling the defense and him setting things up. And Mm -hmm. considering we're only five games into the season that, um, you know, yes, it'll be different having someone else making the calls, but it wasn't like they lost a guy who had been, you know, making the defensive calls for years on end. And um, it was a, a stable situation that it's, continued growth of getting used to somebody else making the calls on defense um, getting the plays in so I think Ben stole my thunder a little bit that Tennessee is a very run heavy attack Um, Tennessee does like to use the play action game they have a very good tight end in Jonu Smith um, who's injured this week been on the injury report kind of questionable for this week so if if Smith plays, I'd be a little more worried about Spillane. If if Smith doesn't play, I'm less worried about Spillane out there because he can focus a lot more on Derrick Henry. And having guys who are willing to be physical and stick their nose in there and are good form tacklers are very important against a big back like Henry. Um, Baltimore's offense is a little bit of a different animal just because of how their uh, running game works with the yeah. option attack and you know, you have to be gap sound and all that. We'll talk about that next week before the Ravens game. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I feel good about the, you know, two-week experiment of Robert Spillane just to see um, because we don't have a team. It's not like Kansas City's coming in here that's going to throw the ball over the yard and run different True. sets and different formations and a lot of pre-snap motion. Um, Tennessee runs a lot of play-action passes. Tannehill likes to go play-action and to throw the ball down the field. And they have arguably the best running back in the league and Derek Henry, best pure running back. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we talk about all around rushers, you know, with both res- rushing and receiving, you, you got to right. talk about guys like McCaffrey and Barkley and guys like that. But right. um, just as a, a pure running back, I mean, 
you know, he's a big man too. He's a, he's a big dude. I mean, I was yeah. I was trying to think about it. Like, could you imagine if Derrick Henry had played like in a different era? Like, oh. he would have been a monster out there because not only is he big, but his speed. Like, yeah. he would have he would have been like like OJ Simpson highlights, just like running away from people all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm not. I can't remember what OJ played at, but what does Henry weigh in right now at? Um, I don't know. Yeah, two, I'd, like two twenty or something. Two fifty. Yeah, I don't know. He's six three. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't well, know well, when I dropped the call here, but uh, you were talking about Robert Spillane. Okay, yeah. so Spillane Spillane's probably going to play in the early downs, and then we're probably going to see Ulysses Gilbert. And you know we. We all acknowledge that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're, there are going to be points where we're probably going to see Ulysses Gilbert and Marcus Allen on the field at the same time, um, because you can't you can't rely upon Vince and Spillane in passing situations. That's silly, and they've had good success throwing the ball this year. So we we've got to be aware of of those kind of situations coming in. Um, but talking about since you brought up Derrick Henry, yeah, yeah, the thing that occurs to me when I watch Derrick Henry on film is he reminds me of an outside linebacker. He converts. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, no, I know. He, he converts not size wise. Yes, size wise, well, he is the same size, but he yeah. converts speed to power very well. If he's got a head of steam. Mm-hmm. Look out! If he's and it only takes him two or three steps, if he's got a head of steam going, he's really, really hard to bring down. If he doesn't, and he's just gotten the ball and he kind of stutter steps a little bit, it's pretty easy. You can you can get him to the ground. If you can slow him down when he's just starting mm-hmm. out, it's pretty easy to get him down. So the thing they're going to need to do is swarm toward him like they did versus the Browns. Yes, they're gonna have to swarm toward him this year and and. Taylor Luan being out this week really it's a big deal. Sorry. It helps. It does. Yeah. Yep. You never want to uh, celebrate another guy's injury, especially an injury like that. No, I know it. But but that helps a lot. If 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 you're if you're Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Titans, you you know there's no Devin Bush over there. You've got a young, relatively inexperienced guy over there. Do you do you abandon it all? the just giving it to Derrick Henry and saying go and say instead we're going to go a lot of play action on first down to take advantage of the Spillane guy knowing of course that that you know you could easily with Ryan Tannehill you you could turn the ball over a couple of times and find yourself behind and now you're really in trouble I mean how do you attack that uh, uh Ian go ahead first how do you attack that if you're Arthur Smith one of the things that Tennessee does very well in their running game especially with with the schemes of it mm-hmm. is to have the free guy. Cause there's always a free guy in the running game. There's always a guy that the running back has to beat. Uh, they do a very good job having that free guy be a defensive back and not a linebacker or a right. down lineman. Um, so they, it's going to be, I mean, Terrell Edmonds and Minka are going to have to make tackles in space and they're going to have to, to, get Henry on the ground because like Ben said, once Henry gets rolling through that hole, somebody's going to have to make a tackle and it's usually a safety or a corner on the outside. They, they do a good job getting him outside in space, even on, they don't throw to him a whole lot, but even on some check down, some screen passes, like 
you get that guy in space, he is he's tough for a defensive back to bring down. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a very good job getting him matched up on defensive backs. So really, the guys up front, Hayward, Tuit, Alu-Alu, are going to have to win their battles on the inside and get pressure and force him backwards. And the guy, whoever has backside contain, whether it be TJ or Bud, is going to have to crash down the line hard to make sure there's no cutback lane, which they struggled with that early in the season, especially early in the game against Denver. Those cutback lanes were wide open, but yeah. they've, they've shorted it up a lot better since then. Uh, with the backside contained. The, the good news this week um, and, and overall is the fact that, of course, the Steelers lead the league in tackles for loss. And, uh, you know, Ben, you pointed this out this week, and then I, I kind of ran with it in one of the, the quick hitters pieces. Um, you know, they, they've got 42 tackles for loss. They have 12 different guys that have at least one. You know, Derrick Henry's the kind of guy you have to get him before he gets going because once he gets going, forget it, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're basically, once he gets going, like I said, yep. Derrick Henry can do what I thought <laughs> Jarvis Jones was going to be able to do when they drafted him. He can fire off with the ball mm-hmm. in his hands. He can get two or three steps going. And then when someone tries to tackle him, he can convert all that speed to power. And if he gets ahead of steam in the defensive backfield, look out. Look out. He is very tough to bring down. Very, very tough to bring down. Joe Hayden or Steven Nelson, one-on-one, he's just going to run him over. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I speaking mean, of big dudes, I mean, A.J. Brown's a big dude, too, on the outside. That's going to be a tough coverage assignment for whoever's on him, too. He's a big guy. Corey Davis is is not quite as big and physical, but he's a, he's a tall guy. Um, and and then of course you mentioned Johnny Smith, who's not quite hundred uh, percent, even if he plays. But but man, I like the way they use him, and he's he's been a threat in the passing game all year I mean, as well. If you know. if you're if you're the Titans OC, don't you just run the ball to establish the run and then use play action? I mean, that's, that's what, what I would do. Much, that's what they've done since Tannehill came in. And I ran some numbers this week with Derrick Henry has been so much better since Tannehill took over the starting job. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. counting playoff games, Henry and Tannehill have been together for 17 games now. And if you look at the 17 games prior, um, uh, Henry's attempts are up about seven per game. His yards are up about 45 yards per game and his yards per attempt are up about a half yard per attempt, which is crazy to think about just the different quarterback, but Tannehill brought something that Marcus Mariota just couldn't bring to Tennessee. Uh, Mariota at times was a really efficient passer, but he couldn't throw the ball down the field and Tannehill has the arm strength and the willingness especially off play action to push it down the field. And it's really been the perfect marriage with a power back and a quarterback who can throw off play action down the field there. It's a tough offense to slow down. How important is it for the Steelers uh, Ben on Sunday to, to get a lead? I mean, I know it's always important, but it seems uh... to me, it seems to me it's important here because you want to you want to force Tennessee to get out of their comfort zone offensively. Yeah, don't you? I mean, if you if you got you're not going to though. I I I think this defense is good enough that they're going to restrict the Steelers' offense. I don't think it's going to be a, a simple game, even with a healthy mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson, which is going to be a huge help. 
Big help. Let's be frank. Um, I don't think it's going to be simple. Um, no. You know, it's going to, yeah. I mean, it, this is going to be, a. this should be on paper a really good game. Um, I think that the Steelers' defense relative to the Titans' defense is stronger versus their opponent. And I think that's, at the end of the day, is going to be the difference. But, uh, you know, if you could, you'd like to get up a couple of scores early, yes, to force him out of their game plan. And if you right, can do that, right. it makes it a lot easier on your defense. But I don't think you're going to be able to do that. I'm not looking for that to happen. And if it does, I'll be surprised very pleasantly, but I'll be surprised. It, it is interesting. So point. Yeah, go uh, ahead, Ian. Speaking of running numbers, Tennessee's defense has actually been pretty bad this year. Um, from a, a pure raw numbers standpoint, yeah. So overall defense is based on total yards. They're 26th in total defense. They're 28th in pass defense and 26th in run defense. Yeah, they match up very well versus the Steelers. And they're and they're, they're giving up over 25 points a game too. Mm-hmm. And they're scoring a ton of points. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Who, who's who's, run, who's running a political commercial right now? Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> I have no idea. Did you guys hear that too? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I thought it was just something on like my computer on my headphones. I. Oh, that's so it. weird. It's the Russians. I knew it. Now they're infiltrating podcasts. You know, it was only a matter of time. Okay, uh, we can we can edit that part out, right? Uh, yeah, probably. But I think talking about it's probably more fun. Um, so so okay, let's flip it over. You're Randy Feekner here, uh, Ben. Uh, uh, you know what are you what are you looking to get done with your offense uh, this week? I mean, obviously Deontay Johnson looks like he's going to be a go. He practiced uh, yesterday was a full go. I think he was a full go today. So what 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 do you do uh, against this Tennessee defense, which as Ian pointed out, statistically hasn't been great, but is doing enough to to help the team win. I look to move the ball with the run in the short passing game. Uh, lots of misdirection more than, you know, than we've seen the last couple of weeks, which is quite a bit for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have been using the exotic motion that, you know, they've talked about for the last two weeks. Right. Um, and there are a lot of things they can do that they have not done. They can, they can throw off the motion and really confuse defenses. I'd like to see that. I don't necessarily know that it's going to happen this week, Mm -hmm. but it would be nice to see them set some things up and just make defenses guess as to what is going to happen. So I try and do something along those lines. Um, You know, as Ben put it a couple of weeks ago, throw the kitchen sink at them and really make them really make them wonder what's going to happen. And well, in in, in I, that vein, you know, they've they've gotten yeah. the tight ends involved mm-hmm. quite a bit. In particular, Ebron, um, keeping those guys involved would be a positive versus this team. I think as they match up. Do you, Ben? Do you expect to see just since you're talking about the motion? Do you think we're due to see something off of the jet motion with Chase Claypool, who now has run, uh, he's run that play several times for both first downs and touchdowns. You, you got to figure something's coming off that, don't you? Yeah, I do, and I I expect a fake at some point or a double reverse where yeah. you know 
Claypool's coming in, gets the ball and hands it off to somebody else. And that guy goes for a long distance run on the mm-hmm. other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, the defense is hope. still chasing Claypool for just a, a few steps too long, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, um, that would be ideal in this. Yeah. Instance. Oh, no, I, I, I agree. And I, I, you know, that's part of the, the beauty of watching those things happen is you, you know, there's something coming off of that. Maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but you know, it's coming. Um, Ian, uh, discuss a little bit about the play of, uh, the rookie Kevin Dotson. Um, you know, we liked this kid. We thought he was a bit of a steal, uh, getting him the way the Steelers did in the draft. He, he is literally a mountain of a man. Um, we knew he was good as a run blocker. He's, he's been better than advertised as a pass blocker. Um, and, and right now, DeCastro's very much up in the air. So what's your overall take on what Dotson's doing right now? I think Dotson has been solid, but mm-hmm. hasn't – I think he's almost to the point of getting – a little overhyped at this point, um, especially uh, with the you think? pro football focus <laughs> rankings. Um, but I mean, he's, he's not, he's not killing us, right? He's, he's no, not, no, no. Yeah. He's, he's paving the road in the run game. He's pushing guys back. Um, and, you know, he's not David DeCastro and he's not yet. Probably. Nope. I don't know if he'll ever be David DeCastro. I mean, I, I don't do. know if he has. Do you think he has the? Do you think he has the foot quickness to? I don't get out think that space? he's going to be as good at pulling as David DeCastro is, or yeah, as Alan Fanica was. Right, right. and that's um, kind of what I was thinking was but, the difference. But was, as as far as like gap blocking, even zone blocking, just straight ahead blocking, the guy's a road grader. Oh, absolutely. Yes, and, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. He's been very I, solid. I love him as a player. Love him. Yeah. And I think yep. when he learns how to play football at the NFL level, he's going to be an all-pro caliber guard. I do not think that he's as good as he's being hyped this season. Right, right. Now. And yeah. David DeCastro did practice today. He was limited, but he did practice today. Mm-hmm. If he practices again tomorrow, he's starting on Sunday. And yeah. David DeCastro is an all-pro guard. Um, so, you know. You, you can't really go wrong there. If no. uh, if the Castro plays, it's fantastic. If, if Dotson has to play, he gets valuable experience. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kid's obviously big and strong. And like I said, when he gets his hands on you and he's going straight ahead yeah. blocking, forget it. You're done. He's going to win. You are not. You don't have a chance. It's over. But yeah. when he's coming around pulling, he's not fantastic. No, um, but he's he's okay. He, you know, he's not great at it, but he's okay. And uh, you know, in pass blocking, he's you know, he's a little better than adequate right now. He's not mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I I read something the other day with PFF that he was like the highest graded guard in the NFL in pass blocking. I was like, God, that just proves your your grading system sucks. Yeah, yeah. it has absolutely no base. Yeah, none. What, what, one other point yeah. on Dotson, let's not forget that he was actually part of the Minka Fitzpatrick trade because yeah. we, we <laughs> traded the Very first true. round pick to the Dolphins and got in return their fourth round pick in exchange for our fifth round picks. We moved up from the fifth to the fourth and used that fourth round pick on Dotson. So true. Uh, any any discussion of Dotson also can't forget that we acquired him with a pick that we got from Miami in the Minka trade. 
Uh, yeah. That's a great point. Let me uh, first of all say that uh, you're listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated, serving Broward and the Southern Palm Beach counties. Whether it's commercial, residential, multifamily, or condos, contact Deck Roofing at deckroofing.com. And uh, it's nice and warm down there right now, which it's certainly not here. So if you need a roof down there, call them. Uh, I, I, I want to get into something that I, I have a feeling you guys disagree on a little bit. And so this could be fun. Um, the Steelers are 5-0. and This is common knowledge. Uh, but, uh, Ben, you don't think they're that good. What do you mean by that? I mean that score last week was deceptive the browns suck i mean they're five and oh but you know the whole they haven't beaten anybody really good yet they haven't been tested um i'll put it another way mike tomlin in summarizing most of their wins this season has said yeah you know it wasn't wasn't perfect it wasn't great but it's a whole lot better to learn lessons while you're winning than it is to do so while you're losing. So we'll take the win. We'll clean some things up. We'll keep working on it. And, you know, we'll move on to next week. And that should be their attitude, really. Um, My understanding was that – and I'm sorry, I just burped. Uh, (laughs) Quite all right. um, We fully endorse drinking here on the Steel City. Yeah, well, I am drinking, so it is what it is. Yeah, my whiskey's gone, so. (laughs) Oh, poor Mark. Um, (laughs) My my understanding is this week Tomlin told the guys that he really appreciated and respected their passion and their approach to this last week's game, but that there were still some things he needed to clean up, that mm-hmm. it was not perfect. And that, you know, and, and granted, yes, he's a coach. That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. But I really think that he wants to drive home the point to them that they ain't that good. It's like the Panthers uh, two years ago. You know, yeah, yeah. After that game, he literally said, "Yeah, I just want to make you guys sure you guys know we're not that good. It, things just went our way tonight, mm-hmm. and uh, things went really downhill after that game. They yeah, did, they did, they did. And uh, you know, I I don't think that's what's going to happen this year. I think my instinct is that this team is a really tight group that yeah. is going to push through and make some things happen this year." But at some point, they're going to falter, and it's going to be, you know, a, a, a good kick in the seat. And it might be this week, and it might be the week after, and it may be in Dallas, for all I know, and it may be after that. I don't know. Right. You know, maybe they'll lose to Cincinnati or something. Oh, that God. Suck. Oh, that suck. Uh, so, fierce. Ian, you tend to believe uh, the opposite. Um, explain your position on why they're uh, maybe better than we think they are. Okay, so despite the fact that Cleveland is the only team with close to a winning record that they beat, and Cleveland, as we've talked about, was a bunch of fakers and wasn't actually that good. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> they they do in fact suck. Um, and and I said that actually I said that last week. I said the secret of Baker Mayfield is that he actually sucks, and if you make him try and beat you, he can't. And we is that saw a secret. That. Well, it sure ain't people, no more. Not, a, I mean, people people seem to think that the Browns are like the next big thing, and they've thought that since the Browns went one and thirty one and tanked and 
tank to get Baker Mayfield. Can you imagine tanking and this is the guy you got? Wow, that's awful. Okay. <laughs> At any rate, back to the main point. I'm done dunking on the Browns. Right, right, right. The, the main point here is if you run the numbers and look at the the averages of the teams we face. So if you say, you know, the teams we faced are scoring an average of 27 points a game and the okay. Steelers have given up an average of 18 points a game. Mm-hmm. So we're essentially holding our opponents to 84% of their normal average of what they would score. Uh, we're holding our opponents to 87% of their normal yardage. Offensively, we're scoring 13% more than what our opponents typically give up. So the mm-hmm. only the only statistic that we're below what the sort of expected average of our opponents is is in offensive yards, and we're at 98%. So we're very close. So in offensive yards, offensive points, defensive yards, defensive points, we are better than the averages of all our opponents so far or or what the average would be if we played mm-hmm. exactly to the level of our opponents. So for that reason, even though we haven't actually beat a good team yet, um, this will be our first real test against a good yeah. team. Um, the teams we have played, we have played them better than they have played against all of their other opponents. And, and, you know, you look at Denver, for example, uh, Denver went into new England and, and beat the Patriots. Now, again, that's not Tom Brady Patriots. We, we understand that, but that's still been a formidable team this year. Um, not only that, it's you... in Gillette. It's not, they yeah. do it in Denver. I mean, right. there's there's a an advantage to playing in Denver in in yes. as much as the elevation makes it difficult for the visitors. You know, it's a, usually a long road trip and it's yep. the, the high elevation just gives Denver a natural advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's just like going to Seattle. It's it's a long road trip. It's a, you know, okay, it's ordinarily a super loud stadium, but Washington is not allowed to have true. fans. True. Um and they have they have an amazing home field advantage under ordinary circumstances who did uh, who did, who did houston uh beat this weekend didn't they or did they oh it was tennessee right that they ended up they losing in overtime to yeah yeah you know i'm just pointing out the fact that you know houston was a team that that gave us some fits for a half and and you know then they take a team that we're playing against that's undefeated and i mean they you know you can argue they probably maybe could have would have should have won the game but um you know, the, the NFL is a week-to-week league. We know that. It always has been. Uh, it comes down to a few plays every game and, and a few matchups every game. And um, so you know, we I, see this, I, We see this know. every year, though, Mark. I mean, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. and, and we, we made this point after either I made it or Ian made it. I can't remember. After the Denver game that there were going to be points later on in the season where the Broncos were going to do some things yep. and people were going to look back at it because – as I recall, Ian brought up the fact that basically Steelers fans were acting as though we'd lost yeah. when in fact we won mm-hmm. and you know, the, the Broncos were going to do some things. So we're going to look back at it and go, you know, that, that isn't that big a deal. That was a close game, but so what? They're actually a pretty decent team. And this happens every year and people want to judge things based upon a week two performance. I don't understand it other than the fact that, Steelers fans are consistent in one phase, one factor, one facet, if you will. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking mm-hmm. too much. Yes, certainly. Uh, they they bitch 
A lot. Oh, yeah. We yeah. are the least patient group of fans in the world, I believe. It, it, it's interesting you say that and, and kind of segues away from this a little bit, but but uh, a friend of mine, is a, he's a very casual football fan, and he he was listening Both to – people suck. Well, by and large, they do. Um, but he, he texts me in the middle of the day and he says, he says, is it true? He says that the Steelers have only had three head coaches since like the sixties. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, it was Noel and, and Collar and Tomlin. And, and he said that that's just, they, that, that's crazy to me. I can't believe that they've, that they, I mean, every team and every sport, it seems like they go through a new coach all the time. And, and I said, part of that is a bit funny simply because of what you just said the fan base is amongst the least patient group of people you can ever imagine but the people that matter uh the Rooney family Kevin Colbert they are among the most patient people you could ever imagine so it it just to me it's funny how that works and the Steelers uh, the, the Rooney's value continuity definitely and, and you know that principle has paid dividends and so they they're not going to go away from it it is mm-hmm. what it is and Steelers fans need to suck it up and accept the fact that maybe the Rooney's know what they're doing absolutely and, I, and I'm guilty of it too I've, I've I've plenty of times I've been impatient I've yeah what a to, dick I know I, I <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, you gotta stop being such a jerk um but anyway um a couple of quick thoughts here guys what do you make of the Steelers, uh, Ian? I'll go to you first. Bringing back Jordan Berry this week. Jordan Berry's always been a good fair weather punter. He just sucks once December uh-huh. rolls around. Huh? Yeah. And I- so far, Dustin Colquitt has not been very good. Um, if you're going to make a punting change at this point in the year, it's probably not a bad idea to at least bring in someone that is familiar with holding yes. uh, and Barry and Boswell had a pretty, pretty good relationship as far as a holder kicker went. Um, mm-hmm. I can't really think of any, you know, botched holds on Barry's part or anything like that. So, um, you know, that's a, that's, that's an important factor of those field goals. You don't think about Did, that very speaking often. Speaking of holding, do you recall the extra point where there was a bad snap last week. Yes, I do. Colquitt picked it right back up and made sure the hold was, the hold was perfect. I was really impressed by that. that one as action. was I. Yeah. That and, one and action. That's exactly why I, 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 well, not the entire reason I brought this up, but, um, you know, we all know that, that kickers can be very, uh, oh, particular, let's say, uh, much in the way that golfers can with routine and how everything is. And and when you switch holders uh, to the average fan, it's like, oh, okay, so they got to hold the ball for a kick. No, 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 no. You don't understand. The holder knows all the little nuances of the kicker. You know, how do you want the ball? Do you want it tilted just slightly? Do you want it forward, backward, left, right, depending on which side of the field? Run? I mean, all these different things. And and I agree with you, Ben. I, I was really impressed that Colquitt was able to – to grab that low snap, get it in place, and, and Boswell drilled it right down the middle. So I was thinking for a brief moment, well, maybe it had something to do with that, but I didn't fault Colquitt on that. I thought he did a good job. But uh, um, So it'll be interesting. They also had a linebacker uh, in this week. Um, 
Oh God, I can't remember his name. All of a sudden, Wilton, Will, Will Fork. I can't remember. Uh, tall drink of Will, water Will guy. <laughs> yeah, Will. That now that'd be funny. Um, so, but but neither guy uh, signed any kind of a deal or anything like that. Just a, a little workout. But uh, yeah, any uh, any parting shots before we uh, move along here for the uh, for the weekend? Uh, these next two weeks are going to be a really good measuring stick, but yeah. don't freak out if we drop both of them. Oh, um, God. Oh, it, I, it, we're five and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think anyone expected us to be five and oh at this point in the year. So, you know, if if we get to the halfway point and we're six and two, that's perfectly fine, there's nothing at all wrong with that that's actually really damn good um the you know we referenced it already tonight the complexion of the league changes every three to four weeks basically um you know you can break the the season down into quarters and you know injuries make a big difference in that just who you play in your schedule makes a big difference in that um coming into the year we thought the the beginning of the season was going to be other than the Giants, relatively tough. I mean, you had a Denver team that was seven and nine last year. You had an Eagles team that um, made the playoffs last yep. year and lo- looked like the best team in the NFC East. Granted, they had some injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had a Houston team that had won a couple division titles and had a, a good quarterback in Deshaun Watson. So, um, you know, it, it, but as it worked out, the first four weeks were against teams that are garbage this year. And, uh, you know, now it's the middle four weeks where we had a, a Cleveland team that was four and one. Now we've got a five and O Tennessee team. And next week we'll more or less likely have a, a one loss Ravens team. So, yeah, uh, or we will, cause they're, we will, they're on the bye. Yes. Yeah. So, and you have to face a Harbaugh team coming off a bye is never really a no. good no. situation either. It sucks. Yeah. So uh, don't freak out. It's okay. Um, but if we win this game, we're in really, really good oh, man. position too. Um, you know, and, and look at look at a team like Buffalo. Buffalo was all the talk of the league. They started four and zero. They were talking about yep. Josh Allen yep. being a you know being an MVP candidate, and they've really come back to earth the last two weeks. They've played good teams. So you know, you really to have success in this league, you want to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And then, you know, if you can split against the good teams, you'll be in pretty good shape. And, you know, this is this is a game that's going to battle test us, both offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a game that will prepare us for the playoffs down the road. If we lose Definitely. it, fine. Um, but we'll be, we'll be prepared. And sometimes, honestly, this is going to sound a little radical, but sometimes losses are okay. Sometimes losses teach you things. I know what you mean. I can't agree. Teach you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I know I I get your consternation from both of you for being a Duke basketball fan. But, <laughs> Dick, that's yeah. really I mean they're but, the Dallas Cowboys of the NCAA. Okay. But the Yankees. Okay, hear hear me out here though. You know, there are Duke is known, especially early in the, the conference play season, for losing road games to inferior teams. But mm-hmm. what Coach K does, because he is a very good coach, is he uses that as a learning experience for his players and says, hey, this is the stuff you're going to have to face. These are the mistakes we made that caused us to lose this game. And some of those things you just can't teach when you're winning games because 
you're you're not making fatal mistakes. There's a big difference when you start making fatal mistakes that cost you games to use them as a learning experience to teach your guys, hey, let's not do this shit anymore. And it it helps you down the line, especially in the postseason. Um, yeah. you know, think back to our last Super Bowl team, the the 2008 Steelers. Um, they they went in to Tennessee and got killed yeah. by the Titans. Thirty one fourteen. Yeah, yeah, they got physically manhandled by that team, and. Fortunately, as luck would have it, <laughs> some Titans players decided to stomp on the terrible towel after the game. Yep. And Never it all forget. worked out for us. Yes. Lendell White, Keith Bullock. That was that was going to be my parting shot was don't forget Lendell White, don't yep. forget Keith Bullock, and most especially don't forget the 2002 playoff game where um oh shit, what was the kicker's name? Um, uh, oh, oh, we got God. the second chance. Yeah, we got the second yeah. chance. Um, roughing the kicker call. The yeah. The kicker call. Yeah. Or running into the kicker call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Washington. Wasn't that Dwayne Washington? Yeah. Uh, yes. He got, what was his name? Not was was, wasn't no. Zendejas. No, 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 no. Um, I can't remember. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Exactly. My point is, <laughs> the the Titans are assholes. And never for don't forget that shit. <laughs> Joe right. Nedney. Joe Nedney. Joe Nedney. Yeah. Joe Nedney. Don't forget. Don't forget Linda White, Keith Bullock, and Joe Nedney. These guys are assholes. Fuck them. <laughs> and there you have it. Uh, ben, any parting shots? Uh, well, apparently, I just got a quick note. Um, the Steelers brought in Barry to see how he was doing, whether or not he was healthy. They right. did not work him out, and they brought in a guy named Ray Wilburn, who Wilburn, was, yeah. who was a, a pretty good uh, pass coverage linebacker. You know, back in the day at Ball State, I don't understand how they identified this guy, but they didn't even work him out either. Um, I tend to wonder, and I asked, but I didn't get a response as to whether or not they did any COVID testing on these guys and they aren't just looking to add bodies because everybody's got to pass the COVID testing and quarantine or whatever before they, uh, before they come in, they've got to pass COVID protocol. Mm-hmm. So th- remember the Steelers have a punter on the practice squad along with Colquitt and they just brought in Barry for a visit, basically putting Colquitt on notice Hey man, you've got to do better uh, because we're we're looking at possibilities here, and we're gonna you know basically lay the groundwork now. If this guy can can pass all of the COVID protocols and mm-hmm. you punt poorly on Sunday, we may go another direction. That's that's my take. Yeah. Although I didn't get a definite response on whether or not they tested very for for covid um other than that you know i uh again browns fans are <laughs> douchebags on twitter i don't understand that i don't get it you would think I, that you'd be a little more humble after getting <sighs> your ass kicked for two decades but no no they no. can't you know you got the one guy who's going yeah the steelers 
finally lose to the Browns in Pittsburgh. I hope Baker goes out to midfield and shotguns a beer. What a yeah. <laughs> why why would you hope that your quarterback make your starting quarterback makes a complete ass of himself on national TV? What the hell is wrong with well, you? Well, he already does in those stupid Hulu commercials, so he, he's got well, that going for him. There's that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's not turning down the cash because he's basically thinking to himself, I'm not gonna get a fifth year option, so I need to make as much money way. as I can now. You know, getting well, you know, getting's good. Um, by the same token, I mean, yeah. let's be honest, getting a starting caliber quarterbacks in the NFL are it, few it, and far between. It ain't there, easy. Yeah. There are only 32 of those jobs, and there aren't even 32 no. starting caliber NFL no. quarterbacks in the world. So no. if you're one of those guys, you're pretty damn elite. You know, the the Kirk Cousins of the world, what's that guy made? $200 million? Uh, unbelievable. You know, and he's very, very average as starters yeah, go. I mean, very much so. Really is. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, there's a scarcity there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's really it. Um, scores, yeah. predictions. Yeah, I was just gonna say, let's get those predictions, Ian. What do you got for this Sunday? As the Steelers will be at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee, at one p.m. Eastern. Your prediction for this week seven game. Oh boy. Um so the one thing I didn't talk about was we're playing this game in central time and not in eastern time. And we're true. Gotta bring that shit good. up. Yeah, first I know. Time. Um yeah, first trip out of the eastern time zone this year. Yep. Um yep. first of a couple. We gotta go to Dallas as well. Um you know, I uh, I I hate to pick against the Steelers, <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go Tennessee 31 to 30 on a last. Second wow, that is high scoring. Okay, Ben, the ball is in your court. What do you got? Um, Steelers cover because Tennessee is favored by one. I saw that. Now. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So you know, basically, I'm. I'm going to say Steelers 27, Titans 23, uh, close game all the yeah. way down. Uh, this I expect to be a barn burner and yeah. for us to actually have some heart palpitations, which is what I expected last week. But yeah, I think, I think the Steelers will pull it out. I, I think the edge this week is our defense. It, that's that's what I think too. Um, I, I'm going to go Steelers 24, Titans 20. Um, I, I think we'll make just enough plays offensively. Um, I, I think I think Tennessee will find ways to score on us. Um, you know they'll mix, do a nice job of mixing the pass and the run there um, early on. But but I I have faith that uh, uh, that we'll be able to get the job done and and then go go play the Ravens uh, coming off of a uh, a bye week, which, as you guys mentioned, is never easy. So, but in any case, we will be back to discuss it all. Um, and thank you once again for tuning in to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated. And hey, go Steelers! Ravens suck. <laughs>